and we're serious about revival. And so I want to see you all here starting Wednesday. Genesis chapter 45 this morning, verses 1 to 5. We are continuing. I think this is an incredible series on the life of Joseph. I've entitled this series, Modern Day Josephs. And what I mean by that is that how Joseph lived and what he did back in, in that day we can still live and still be and still have the same experience that Joseph had right here because we serve the same God. You can still live the way Joseph lived because we still have the same God. You can still do the things that Joseph did because we still have the same God. God is unchanging. He's the immutable God. Mutable means unchanging. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 to 5, please. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all of them that stood by him, and he cried, because every man to go out from me and there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brothers and he wept aloud and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard and Joseph said unto his brethren I am Joseph does my father yet live and his brethren could not answer him for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brothers, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. What a story. I've entitled this message, Recovering from Resentment. Recovering from Resentment. So as we begin this morning, 23 years have passed since Joseph has seen his brothers. Can you imagine 23 years have passed and Joseph's been living under this painful experience all these years. And God was dealing with him. He was been separated from his brothers because of their envy, because of their hatred and their jealousy. You all remember the story. How Joseph was told by his father to go check out on his brothers. And he ends up in Dothan. And as he saw them, the brothers saw them afar off, the Bible says. They plotted a plan to, to kill him, really. They were jealous of Joseph. They hated him. And Joseph didn't do anything to deserve this hatred. They were jealous that the father showed him attention. That the father gave him a coat of many colors as a gift of nobility and honor to his son and his brothers hated him jealous of him you know friends there are going to be people that you might meet in your life that might hate you 
and might be jealous of you, but there's no reason. There's nothing you've done to them, but they hate you. There's nothing you've done to them, but they're jealous of you. And you've done nothing. And they're going to be jealous of you, and they're going to hate you for reasons that are beyond what you did. In other words, you did nothing, but they hate you anyway, and they're jealous of you, and they're jealous of you for the same reason why Joseph's brothers were jealous of him. They were jealous of the fact that Joseph had a gift from, from his father Jacob. Why do you have the gift? There are going to be some people, friends, that are going to be jealous of you because of the gifts that your heavenly father had given you. Oh, stay with me. We're going to go very deep this morning. Joseph received a gift and he was hated because of the gift. His brothers hated him because it seemed that the father loved Joseph and the brothers were jealous of that. Sometimes people will hate you just because they see the father's love in you. They see that you're different. You see, they see that you're a believer and they don't like it. Your life is a reproach to them. There are reasons why people dislike you. And in Joseph's case, it was because of the father's love and the father's gifts. They wanted to kill him because of it. His gift, his position, and the father's love. And so what did they do? They threw him into a pit and sold him as a slave. And that was it. They said to themselves, we're never going to see our brother Joseph ever again. That was it, they thought. And so the brothers are going one way, and Joseph is going another way. But now, today, this morning, we see that their paths are going to merge. This is one of the most incredible stories. Every time I read this, and I'm telling you, friends, without any exaggeration, every single time I read this text or I preach from this text, I can't help but weep inside of me. It is one of the most stirring, most emotional, the most, the most incredible stories in the entire Word of God. And there's so many life lessons. There are so many parallels that we're going to see through the life of Joseph. As Joseph is a type of, of Christ and the brothers, you will see later, is a type of a church. And we're going to stay, stay with me and we're going to see what I'm talking about a little bit later on this, this morning. But this is an incredible story. Brings tears to my eyes. So much truth in this story. And so the stage now is set. And if you remember, when Judah finished his speech last week, we talked about it. Remember, Joseph is having a conspiracy, if you will. Uh, wants to see how his brothers, if his brothers uh, have changed in some way. And if you remember that Joseph told one of his servants to put a silver cup in his bag and that the person who was caught with the silver bag as they were leaving Egypt would be brought before justice, before Joseph. And you remember it was in Benjamin's bag and now Benjamin was in trouble. Possibly he was going to die, but it was a plan that Joseph did to see if his brothers have changed. See if something's changed inside of them. And we learned last week that Judah stood up and Judah said, no, 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 please don't take my brother Benjamin. My father, he'll die if you do this. He'll die. He hasn't recovered from his last son, Joseph. He still hasn't recovered over the loss of Joseph. Please don't take Benjamin. Take me instead, Judah says. And
Joseph couldn't believe what he heard. And he broke. He broke. His heart melted inside and he realized that something had happened to Judah and his brothers because they were not like that before because they sold Joseph and when they heard his cries from the bottom of the pit they couldn't care they just sold him as a slave and so now the time had come the time had come verse number one Joseph sees his brothers 23 years and the Bible says he couldn't refrain himself this is this is too emotional he had an incredible experience an emotional experience to see his brothers after all these years and to see Judah defending his brother he couldn't take it and he breaks breaks out in this loud cry the hiding is over Joseph is about to reveal himself to his brothers this morning I'm going to give you three major points and I'm going to expand on each and every one three principles that begin with R I want to talk to you this morning about the revelation I want to talk to you this morning about the reconciliation and then I want to talk to you about the responsibility and under revelation, I'm going to give you some subpoints. Under reconciliation, I'm going to give you some subpoints as well. So we're in a journey this morning, and I don't want you to miss it. First, the revelation. The first thing we see about this revelation, Joseph reveals himself. I want you to know it is a personal revelation. The Bible tells us that during this room, Joseph didn't want anyone to be there and so he clears out the room verse number two clears everyone out Joseph speaks in Egyptian to all his servants there are the brothers they're standing before Joseph there are his servants the Egyptian servants and he speaks to them in Egyptian and he clears out all the servants but he says no leave these men here just leave them here Imagine how the brothers felt. Already they've been on some roller coaster of, of, of ambiguity. Remember, these brothers have been, they don't understand what's really going on. They find a cup in Benjamin's bag he didn't put there. They find their bags filled with grain. They paid the money. They got the grain back. They, 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 their money back. They, they come to, the, to, to Joseph's courtroom and they see a banquet table and they see all the brothers in order of their age one strange activity after another strange activity things are strange what's going on here and now this room is being cleared out and only the brothers are there and and here's where the pendulum shifts Joseph clears out his servants speaking in Egyptian and he turns to his brothers. Joseph, and he doesn't speak Egyptian anymore. He looks at his brothers and he begins to speak in Hebrew. Wow. Begins to speak in Hebrew. He looks at his brothers and they're in shock. 
He looks right in their eyes and he begins to weep. The Bible says aloud, so aloud was his cry that they heard him in the other room. He couldn't keep it in. And he speaks in Hebrew and he asks, verse number three, a question that, that seemed unconscionable, that seemed absolutely He turns to his brothers and speaks in Hebrew and he says, How's my father? Is my father well? Is my father well? Does he live? And the, the brothers are, are, are in disbelief from one experience to the next. All these strange events, all these things taking place, it's, it's, it, seemed, it seemed unbelievable. They reach an apex here as the prime minister of Egypt speaks in Hebrew and now addresses the brothers and asks if dad is okay. And so we have this revelation. The first point is it was personal. It was directed to the brothers. But my second P, watch this now, it's also a painful revelation. Verse number three, notice they were terrified. The Bible says they were in shock because of who Joseph is. Who, the, the, who is this person? They're in shock. They're in disbelief. Of course, anybody would. They thought Joseph was dead. Gone. And can it be that they couldn't speak? They were anesthetized. They were in shock. As you and I would be. Verse 4, then Joseph says, come, come close to me. I, I know you don't believe it, but just come close to me. Look into my eyes, come close to me. I am your brother. Remember you sold me as a slave? Remember what you did to me? I'm your brother. shock goes a little higher just look into my eyes the long dark secret has been exposed oh the pain oh it's a painful revelation their sin was exposed all that darkness has come to light it was personal it was painful number three it was also powerful I got to pause here for a second because you'd think that Joseph would take this opportunity to get even. But Joseph does not take this opportunity to get even. Joseph didn't have one vindictive bone in his body. How many people who had been in authority, who experienced what Joseph said and did, would take this opportunity to get even with his brothers? But he doesn't get even. Not at all. He could have used his authority to exercise judgment, but he doesn't. Life lesson, life lesson. You know what kind of person you are when you have authority and what you do with that authority indicates and reveals the kind of character you have. How do you exercise that authority is a reflection of your character. Is it, is it for self-purposes? 
When you have authority and you do certain things, what is the motive and why you do things? You know how many people use their authority in a way that is destructive and fleshly and carnal? Joseph doesn't. He doesn't use his authority to get even. Notice verse 5, Joseph says, Don't be distressed. Don't be angry with yourself because you sold me to the Egyptians. Why? I'm going to tell you why. And here's the key to everything about Joseph and the key to every modern day Joseph. I speak to every modern day Joseph. God must be the center of your life. What does he say? God sent me before you to preserve life. God sent me before you to preserve life. I almost entitled this message, I exist for others. And I could have. But, but, but God sent me before you to preserve life. And Joseph sets a precedent for everything. You see, what Joseph is doing is that he is encouraging them that, listen, I, I'm not going to exercise any vengeance. Your, your, your life is not at stake here. I'm not getting even. Why? Because God did something in my life. Something so powerful. God did something in Joseph's heart while he was struggling, while he was going through the pit and the prison, when he was going through the rejection and all these things, when he was going through the temptations, God was working deep in his heart and he didn't fully understand it. But if God didn't work in his heart, then yes, friends, Joseph could have used his authority to exercise vengeance, but he didn't. And you remember what he did in Genesis chapter 41? We know that God did something very special in Joseph's heart because Joseph had two children. And he called this first child Manasseh, which means forget, or God has helped me to forget. He has a second child named Ephraim, which means God has caused me to be fruitful. And what is the purpose and what is the point of all this? That you can never be fruitful if you're holding on to unforgiveness. You can never be fruitful if you're letting go of your past. You can never be fruitful if you're holding on to things of the flesh and the things that are contrary to God's purposes. And God dealt with Joseph. God dealt with his pain. God dealt with his situation. And God turned him around and touched his life. And that's how he was able to bear fruit. You see... Joseph forgave his brothers a long time ago. And you know, and I've been around a little bit, and you know what I've seen in a lot of people's heart? Resentment from things that have happened years ago that people haven't been able to let go. Oh, it's masked really well. It's covered nicely. And it's hard to see it. But when you dig a little deeper, you find that it's there. Unresolved issues that keep walking with us. And you've heard me preach many times, what you haven't resolved, you will repeat. My two R's. That's the truth. What you don't resolve in your life today, you will repeat tomorrow. I can assure you of that. But God did a work in Joseph's life. And all those experiences now has reached a point where he's facing his brothers and all the things that God did in his life is now going to be tested as he sees his brothers. Is he going to execute vengeance or mercy? 
And then after, Joseph gives a sermon on God's sovereignty and his providence. He brought me here, he says, for a purpose. He brought me here for a reason. Joseph sees all the tragedies, all his trials having purpose. Do you, Mr. Modern Day Joseph? Do you see all the things you've gone through having purpose? Reason? He understood that God is working behind the scenes in every pit, in every prison. God is working. We've talked a lot about the ambidextrous God. I love that. God works and is completely ambidextrous. He works well, just as well with his left hand as he does with his right hand. With his left hand, he's working behind the scenes, in the pits, in the prison. But in his right hand, he works just as powerfully as he lifts you up and his power and his glory is seen. He is the ambidextrous God who works with both hands equally well. Joseph could have written Romans 8.28 for, what is, what is Romans? We all can quote it. What is it? What does it say? Can't hear you. Somebody say it. We know that all things work together for what? For those who are what? Oh, we can quote it really well, but do we believe it when we're struggling? Oh, we can quote it as we all did this morning. But are you able to say that when you find yourself in a pit? Are you able to say that when you find yourself in a prison cell? Joseph did. He never once complained. Never once do we see him arguing with God, disobeying. God was doing something in Psalm 105. We see exactly what God was doing. God was putting steel in his spine. Putting steel in his spine. And there is a process for steel to be made. Steel is not made, so to speak, overnight. There's a process that we don't like very much. I know that. Process. Bible says in Philippians 1 6 he that's begun a good work shall what it talks about a process the problem today brothers and sisters is that we don't preach process we preach promise we preach product we preach yeah God he wants to bless the product this is we're a child we have this we have we love to preach the product we love to preach the promises of God and we need to preach the promises of God but friends listen to me we have a generation of people today who see God in the promise but not in the process and that's when we get in trouble Corinthians tells us that we are transformed from what from glory to glory 2 Corinthians 3.18 There's a process. We all go through process. We're not interested in process. We want His promises and we want the product. I don't want the process. And so you go to church on Sunday morning and you hear about the promises of God and then you go back home and you discover, wait a minute, I got a process to deal with here. So you hear the promises but you go home and you're dealing with the process. And you don't like that very much. Because you know the promises, but you're in process. And you're questioning, and you're confused, and you're hurting. 
And you say, God is not in this. It's, this is not where God, God's not in this. I, I got the promises, but I, 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 I'm, I'm struggling. I'm going through this pit. Where's God? I'm going through this prison. And we get all confused and we get all disheveled and we. God's not in this. And I will argue this morning, brothers and sisters, that God is more in the process than He is in the promise. Oh, I know this isn't popular preaching and some of you might write letters, but I will argue this morning that God is more in the process of what he's doing behind the scenes in your life than anything else. Because that's what God's concerned about is your journey with him. We just quoted Romans 8.28. Can someone quote verse 29? No. I, I, I didn't, maybe some of you can, but I didn't think so. Do you know what Romans 8.28 is? But if we find verse 29, we find out the reason for Romans 8.28, that you would become conformed to the image of His Son. And we can never be conformed to the image of His Son unless we go through a process. A process. And we don't want process because process is tough process takes pits and it takes prisons and it hurts but Joseph would never be where he is and where he was if it wasn't for process and so Joseph is recalling all of the past experience as God ordained all of it every single pit he went through and there wasn't just one the Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. How many times have you heard me quote this? And how many times have you heard me say every step, good or bad? The steps of a... Notice the word righteous. We kind of forget righteous. That means righteous people go through bad steps. Difficult steps. Hard steps. Tough steps. All of them. Well, Joseph was in prison. Part of his wife who wanted to rape him it's hard to imagine a woman doing that but that she did he took off God was dealing with Joseph too remember he ran off she grabbed his coat she held on and he took off he was and Joseph rather run away without his coat than without his character because that's what God is concerned about to every modern day Joseph this morning is character your life with God. Joseph is talking about all these painful experiences he had with the butler. The butler forgot him when Joseph blessed him and interpreted his dream. Again rejected. Trial after trial. The point is Joseph is making God the very center of his life through all the tests from his youth to his adulthood. He put God first and he gave God the glory. Never complained. I got to ask you sir. Can you say the same thing this morning, ma'am? Are you able to say the same thing? Can I go deeper? Verse 5, For God sent me to before you to preserve life. Notice that. Verse number 7, Again, God sent me. Notice verse number 8 and verse number 9. It was not you that sent me, but God. Verse 9, God hath placed me in the land of Egypt. God, 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 God. So Joseph gives the wise. This happened. 
But you see, my friends, Joseph believed God despite the whys. I'm going to say this. Joseph believed God despite what he was going through. Joseph believed God despite the prison, despite Potiphar's wife, despite the butler, despite his brothers. Joseph believed God. That's the key to everything. Life lesson. Listen, friends. When you truly know God, you don't always have to know the whys. Oh, that's just for free. You can write that down. I don't charge anything for that. When you truly trust God, are you with me? You don't have to know why. Why? Because you know God's in control. Why? Because you know that God has purpose. Why? Because God wants you and me to grow to develop and he won't forsake you he's working in you you don't have to know why when you truly trust God you know that he's in control do you not think the Apostle Paul said the same thing in Philippians 4.11? He says, I have learned that whatever state I am in, to be what? Can, can I say that again? I don't want... To, I, I have learned. Notice... See, I, I, I like every word in the Bible. Every word. I like every single word in the Bible. I look at the its, the ats. The, I have learned. In other words, it was a process. A process. I've learned through my beatings, my, my stonings, for all the shipwrecks I've gone through, all the tragedies I've experienced, I've learned. It wasn't easy. All the pits and the prisons I've gone through, I've learned. I've learned. I've learned. Took time, but I've learned. In that furnace, I've learned. That whatever state I'm in, state, happy mood, depressed mood, if the sun's shining, if the clouds are dark and ominous, I've learned whatever state I'm in. To what? To be content. Do you know what the greatest, in my opinion, this is my opinion, sign of true spirituality is my friend, not that you speak in tongues. I speak in tongues. That's no big deal. You speak in tongues. Not that you prophesy. Good. You prophesy. Wonderful. Congratulations. I think it's great. Not, 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 not that you give alms. That's good. I'm glad you give alms. Not that you tithe. I'm glad you tithe. That's not a sign of true spirituality. It, it could be, but it's not a sign. There are a lot of people who tithe and they're not right with God. A lot of people who, who uh, cast out devils. But they're not right with God. I know that because the Bible says so. I'll tell you what is the true sign of spirituality in my opinion. I have learned in whatever state I am in to be Point final, like we say in French. Period. 
I know people who speak in tongues, who cast out demons, who are the most miserable people on the face of the earth. see if you can come to a place whether in triumph or in tragedy where you're able to see God and trust God despite the circumstances you have reached a very high place my friend that's why Paul says we are to walk by what and not by I have learned in whatever state I am in content and you know who illustrates this probably one of the greatest of all is Job in Job chapter 20, we see an incredible scenario. Job has lost everything. Job has lost his children, his home, his family, his wealth. He's lost everything. Can you imagine losing all your children? They died. All, okay, hold on. Your house, your money. Can you imagine the state Job was in? Even his wife said, just curse God and die. I don't know anybody who has gone through a tragedy as severe as Job. I've lost my mom and my mother-in-law. I lost my sister, my father. That's, that's not easy to deal with. Imagine losing 10 of your children, your home, your finances, your fields, every single thing you have. What did Job do? Can you bring me back to that text? Who's ever there? Verse 20. Then Job arose. He was in disbelief. In, and he rent his mantle and shaved his head as a sign of contrition. Back then they would shave their head and tear their clothes as a, of, of, of just utter, not necessarily repentance, but just grief and remorse and Job arose rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and what? and, and what? and complained and uh, why God? I don't understand I serve you Lord how can this be happening to me? but Lord I thought you loved me uh, Lord you gave me my children. What, what, what? Didn't you bless me with these riches? What, what, what? Nothing. He didn't even say one word. But he worshipped. He didn't complain because complaining is the devil's worship. Did you hear me? Complaining is the devil's worship, not God's. And then Job arose and he worshipped. Verse 21. And he said, what a word. What a word. Naked came I out of my mother's womb. And naked shall I return thither. For the Lord gives and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be. He praises God and blesses God after losing his children. Praising God after he lost everything. What would you do modern day Joseph? What would I do? When you truly know God, you don't have to ask why. 
and we know the story. At the end of the day, Joseph was blessed twice as much as he was before. Yes, my friends, triumph or tragedy. Can you bless his name? And then notice verses 2, 14 and 15. This was a passionate revelation. The Bible says here that he kissed his brothers. He kissed his brothers. All of them. Reuben, who's unstable as water, the Bible says. Simeon, Levi, Judah. They wanted to kill him, but there's no vengeance, just love. I got to ask you, friends, what is the essence? What is the essence, the true test of Christianity? Stay with me. What is the very essence? The essence of Christianity is to know Jesus, is to love Christ. We know that. That's, that's the first. But, but, but if we go a little deeper, the essence is not necessarily loving Jesus. That's a given. That, that's, a rea- that, 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 that's a no doubt. I mean, but the essence, aside from that, because that's the key, of Christianity is not necessarily loving Jesus. You've heard me say this, but loving Judas. And in Joseph's case, loving Levi, Simeon, Reuben, all those who betrayed him. What does he do? He kisses them. His brothers. Can you just imagine how powerful that scene must have been? Think about how incredible. I would have loved to be in that room. I, 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 just, I just would have loved to be there. To see something so powerful. So amazing. You see, brothers and sisters, despite the betrayals, he kissed him. What is this? We see a picture of Jesus, don't we? Everyone betrayed Jesus. Judah even kissed Jesus in mockery. But Jesus loved them and embraced them and kissed them all as he died on the cross. And he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. As a result, Joseph's family is about to be welded together because of Joseph's love. You know what Joseph did? This is a word for every modern day Joseph this morning. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 to 21. I'm going to tell you what Joseph did. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 to 21. Watch this. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Avenge not yourselves. We don't want to go too far. Avenge modern day Joseph's. Follow his example. Do not take vengeance. Do not vengeance. It's not an eye for an eye or a tooth that's gone. Don't do it. Don't do it. Let God be your advocate. Let God be your defender. Do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place unto what? For a wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Watch this now. Verse 20. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, who? That's Judas. That's Levi. That's Simeon. Feed him. If he thirsts, that's you. Whoever it is. Your enemy. Judah. Give him drink. For in doing so thou shalt, watch this now, heap coals of fire upon his head. What that term means, it's an expression. 
is that they will feel the pain of what they did. They will feel it. They may not feel it right away, but they'll feel that fire. They will see it heaping hot coals on their head. This is what Joseph did. What every modern day Joseph needs to live by today. Number two, so we have the revelation, but now we have the reconciliation. We have now the reconciliation after what Joseph did. Notice verse number two, he weeps aloud. He cries out, he's emotional. And he did this over and over again. Joseph wept a lot. That's good. He wept about his brother Benjamin, wanted to know if he was alive. He wept after Judah made that great plea, take me, take me instead of my brother. He constantly wept. He weeps here in our text. He wept when he met his father. And today it's not popular to do that. We as men don't like to weep. We, we don't think it's macho enough, you know. Because we're in our culture today, we are told by society that we're not supposed to weep as men. That's, that's for women. They're more emotional. Well, I got a Greek word for all of you who believe that. Hogwash. <laughs> if you don't think men can weep, just ask David. Oh, he wept all right. And David was considered a man after God's heart. We don't think it's macho as men. We're tough, you know. We're, we're the strong ones. If you're going to show any emotion, that's a sign of weakness, you know, Pastor. You can't cry. It's a sign of weakness. That's just for, you know. Oh, my friends, Joseph wept a lot. Can I go further? Jesus wept in John 35 when he heard about Lazarus. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem! Oh, Jerusalem, I wanted to embrace you and bring you, but you've rejected, and he wept, and he wept. Jesus constantly moved with compassion, the Bible says, weeping. Joseph is a picture of Jesus who weeps. And you know, God has put those tears in our tear ducts for a reason. You can be sure of that. There's a reason why you tear. And every tear you shed, my friend, waters God's promises. Your tears speak words that your natural words cannot utter. Tears have their own language. They really do. There are things that you say in your tears that you cannot say with your words. They that sow in what? In tears shall reap. Don't you love that song, Elaine? Can you sing it for me just briefly? He knows. Sing it. He knows my name. He knows my every He each tear that falls and hears me when I call. He sees your tears. And so now we see a reconciliation that's going to take place I'll continue with my sub points I'm going to close shortly now watch this first when he reveals himself and reconciles himself to his brothers what do we see we see peace verse 5 
We see peace taking place. When Joseph revealed himself originally, they were terrified. But Joseph says, it's okay, I'm going to take care of you. It's all right. He shows forgiveness and a peace came over them. Number two, under reconciliation. What took place? What is the result? Not only peace, but protection. Verse number seven. When Joseph's brothers went to Egypt to get food, they were afraid. But when they found out about Joseph, everything was all right. He offered protection. And that gave them assurance. I'm going to protect you. Peace, protection, provision. Number nine, watch this. Joseph said, don't bring anything with you. Leave everything behind. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you everything you need. Protection. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to bless you. Where he leads, he feeds, my friend. And then number four, my final P under reconciliation, verse number 10, Joseph says, I want you to come where I am. I want you to be where I am in this place of influence right here in Goshen. Goshen in the Hebrew means, means drawing near. Praise the Lord. We have the revelation. We have the reconciliation. And finally, number three, notice the responsibility. Joseph gives them something to do. We're talking about principles. Here's my one principle, one point under responsibility. Joseph says, I want you to proclaim. I want you to give a proclamation. I want you to go back to Canaan. I want you to see my dad, Jacob. I want you to tell him that I am alive. Tell my dad, tell daddy that God has blessed me. Tell daddy that God has promoted me. You tell him that I'm alive. I'm right here. That God has lifted me up and he's given me this position. Tell him that the whole family is welcome to come and do it in haste. Do it now. And so friends, before I close, I want you to see something so powerful. I want you to see something so absolutely magnificent and incredible. I want to I glue together the historical events of Joseph and bring him into the spiritual, into today, into the prophetic events. I want to bring together the historical and the prophetic together. So what does this story mean to me prophetically? What does this story mean to me as a modern day Joseph? Okay, I understand the history. I understand what Joseph went through. I understand what God did through him. I understand all these things that you're talking about, Pastor, but how do I bring it into my life? What is the prophetic value of this story? Well, I'm glad you asked me because I'm going to tell you why. And this is the crux of this message. So you better hold on to your hats because something good is about to happen. You want to see the parallels? You want to see the life lessons? Watch this now. Application. We talked about revelation, we talked about reconciliation, and we talked about the responsibility. So let me bring it home. What are the parallels? And how do we look at this prophetically? Well, look at the revelation. Joseph is a type of Jesus. Remember I said the revelation, it was personal? Remember that? Joseph spoke to his brothers personally. He got rid of all the Egyptian servants, and he spoke to them personally. Prophetically. What does that mean? Joseph is a type of Christ. Joseph revealed himself personally. That means, my friend, that when Jesus comes to you, it is also personal. Your salvation is experienced personally. Nobody can get saved for you. Nobody can get saved because your father's a preacher. Nobody's saved through osmosis. God's got no grandchildren. He's got only children. It must be personal. Joseph revealed who he was to his brothers personally. Jesus reveals himself to us personally. Not somebody else. You must experience God. 
Knowledge without experience means nothing. Nothing. Personal. Number two, if you remember, Joseph's revelation to him was also painful. Remember? They were, they were terrified when Joseph revealed himself to him. Well, let me say something about that as we make a parallel. Jesus. When Jesus comes to us, the Holy Spirit convicts us of what? Of our sin. There are things that we have to realize about ourselves that are painful. I know this is not popular because we're hearing a message on television and the radio and throughout the world where they don't preach repentance or sin. I want to tell you, friends, when you come to see Jesus, it will be painful because you have to give up things. You have to die to this world. There's a sacrifice. There's a repentance. Painful. Conviction of the Holy Spirit brings pain. That's what brings change. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. And as God is revealing things in you that you need to deal with, it is painful. Oh, stay with me, please. So it was personal. It's painful. But remember we said it was also a powerful revelation. Joseph forgave them. Joseph said, don't worry. You're forgiven. I'm not holding grudges. Jesus said, never retaliate. Jesus said, bless those who persecute you. He said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. How powerful is that? They beat Jesus. They mocked him. They pierced him. They abused him. And he looks at his abusers and accusers. Forgive them. How powerful is that? And then we learned it was a passionate revelation. Verses 14 to 15, Joseph kisses them. He kissed them. An expression of love and acceptance. The prodigal son is one of the greatest stories in the Bible of God's love. We all know the story. The, prod- the father had two sons in Luke 15. One was with the father, the older one. The younger went out and sowed his wild oats. Wanted to enjoy his life. Wanted to have fun, party, have fun with women and all kinds of activities. And he sowed all of his wild oats and he ended up in a pig pen. He realized oh, everything he did was wrong. All this activity was wrong. And the Bible says he came to his senses. He came to us. I got to go back home. I got to go back home. I don't know if my father's going to accept me. I don't think he will, but maybe he will. I'm not sure, but I'm going back home. I'm going back home I've lived my life I see the error of my way I'm going back home if maybe maybe, maybe the servants maybe I can be a servant in my father I, I don't know but I'm going back home I'm going back home and as he's going home he's walking up this little hill and there's his father waiting for him he sees his son no vengeance no rebuke He embraced him. And the Bible says he kissed him. Not just kissed him. The Greek word is kataphilia, which means showers of kisses. Kata, many. He... Oop, there goes my mic. Showers of kisses. I do that with my grandchildren. You know, I, I see my grandkids and I just shower them with kisses. Acceptance, love. And then we had the reconciliation. Joseph brought peace where there was terror, 
Jesus says, peace I give unto you, not as the world. When you come to Christ, there's a peace. Joseph, a type of Christ. Joseph offered protection. Jesus offers protection. Joseph said, I'll, I'll, I'll take you and I'll protect you. Jesus is the good shepherd. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the most, I shall abide under the shadow. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want protection. Protection. He's a very present help in time of trouble. He offers protection, peace. Then he offers provision. Joseph said, I'll provide for you. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and everything you need. My Father will meet your need and bless you. Paul said, my God, my God shall supply all your needs. Abraham called God Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And David said, as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so is the Lord round about his children. Provision, protection. And then Joseph said, come near. He offered proximity. Verse number 10, nearness. Joseph said, come, come, come to Goshen. Come to a place near. I want to be near with you, my family together. This is Christ's desire for all of us. He wants us, he's, he wants to have this closeness. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 behold I stand at the door and I knock I'm knocking at the door of your heart behold behold I say, if, if 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 anyone if anyone hears my voice if anyone opens the door opens the door I will come in to him and I will sup that word means fellowship communion I will sup with him God wants communion he wants fellowship with us he wants it and that's why Jesus said in John 14 21 and in John 15 15 he says if any man loves me he will obey my commandments and if he obeys my commandments I will manifest myself I will reveal myself just as Joseph revealed himself to his brothers Jesus wants to reveal himself to you I will to come to a Goshen to come to a place of closeness I will reveal for the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the earth showing himself strong to those who are committed to him 2nd Corinthians uh, Chronicles 16:9. oh my friends we serve a wonderful Savior he said, Lo, I am with thee to the very ends of the earth. Proximity. Look, my friends, even your shadow will leave you when it gets dark. Can I say that again? Even your shadow will leave you when it gets dark. But the Bible says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. My God, and finally, Joseph gave them a responsibility. Go tell my daddy that I'm alive. Joseph is a picture of Christ. I'm alive. What did Jesus give to the church as a responsibility in Mark chapter 16? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. I just love this story. What a, what a message. Joseph gave a responsibility to his brothers to tell daddy I'm alive. Jesus gives us a responsibility to tell the world that he's alive. Do you see the parallels? How incredible is that? Revelation, reconciliation, responsibility. His brothers are a picture of the church. Go tell my daddy I'm alive. His brothers, we are the church. We have a responsibility to tell the world that Jesus is alive. Mr. Modern Day Joseph, 
Miss or Mrs. Modern Day Josephine, that is your responsibility today. Not the pastor. Not the evangelist. You. That's right, but I'm just a housewife. You. But I'm just a plumber. Plumbers make good money, by the way. What? Doesn't matter who you are, what you do. If you're a child of God, you are to shine for Jesus and bring revelation, bring reconciliation, and the, res gosh, the responsibility of sharing the gospel. I got to close. When I first got saved, nobody taught me this. Nobody. Nobody. I wasn't even going to church. I was living in a small two by four in Hollywood, West Hollywood, California, 414 South Serrano Street. I lived in a boarding house. My goodness. There were mice. I heard the mice in the walls. No, I used to hear that. It was scary. I, you know, never had this. The things I went through, but anyway. When I gave my life to Christ, I remember I was in the porch one day outside the house. I was reading the Bible. And again, I'm very careful when I say this, okay? The Lord spoke to me and told me to do something that set a precedent for the rest of my life. He told me, I want you to go and preach the word of God. And your first lesson is today. I want you to go on the corner of Western and Wilshire and preach. I didn't know what preaching was. I want you to proclaim what you've experienced, Dino. Tell somebody about, about me that I'm alive. That God is real. And I fought with God a little bit because I didn't understand it fully, but I obeyed God. And there that day, I went in the corner of Western New Wilshire, one o'clock in the afternoon, people passing by all over the place. I didn't even know what to say. I just opened my mouth and I began to, the worst sermon I've ever preached in my life, but I preached it anyway. But somebody got saved that day. Somebody got saved that day. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, this is what I'm calling you. And friends, I have a word for you today. This is what God is calling you to do. Let's all stand together.